0: Good evening, good morning, depending on where you are when you're listening to this. This is the FIR Podcast uh, with your host, Jake. Um, going to be break, starting off here with the uh, the bit of the NFL news first here before I get into the main topic of today. Um, because it, we are going to be breaking down every AFC team's cap situation and potential cap casualties, as well as some needs. Um. For their for their teams uh, coming into this uh, upcoming offseason. Uh first let's touch on uh, let's touch on the Carson Wentz trade. So Carson Wentz didn't want to be in Philadelphia, and obviously uh, Howie Roseman has lost his freaking mind over there because don't get me wrong, Carson Wentz is a great or was a great quarterback at one time for Philly, but he was he's obviously fallen off here in the last year or so. And Howie Roseman continued to want, I think that they they were saying the base level was two firsts, which is just laughable when you, uh, when you really sitting there and thinking about it. And it's everyone knew it was down to either Indy or Chicago to take him, but it felt to me like Ryan Pace had already taken a chance on a guy once. He wasn't going to do it again, at least that aggressively. Um, and I was kind of surprised that uh, the steal, it kind of seemed to be even. And, uh, you know, for Chris Ballard, typically he gets the uh, the steals. Um, the Indianapolis Colts obviously get Carson Wentz, and the Philadelphia Eagles are going to get a this year 2021 third rounder as well as a 2022 second rounder for the time being. However, if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the offensive snaps or 70% and they make the playoffs, it becomes a first-round pick from the Indianapolis Colts. Now, it becomes a first-rounder. Um, this could be a late first-rounder, and Philly will be able to work that into getting a eh, somebody who could fall through the cracks, but also it's how Roseman's drafting, so who honestly knows? Um, this is a big risk. This is probably the biggest risk I've seen Chris Ballard take. As GM of the Indianapolis Colts, he's typically a pretty conservative guy. Signs a lot of off the radar guys. That's why the, I believe they're still top ten in the Jesus salary cap space available for this offseason. You get a lot of young guys, a lot of under the radar guys. I mean, for crying out loud, they got Darius Leonard, who's one of the best linebackers in the league in the second round. You know, he did it just it, it, if you take a look at it this is not something that I would have expected this aggressive of a trade now you can make an argument that they they underpaid um this trade value for Carson Wentz is not there because you're not like here's the thing with Deshaun you know what you're getting with Deshaun you're getting a phenomenal quarterback who's just as good as anybody in the league you can make an argument he's just a tick under Mahomes um but you know what you're getting for him, and that's why the price is going to be as high as it is if Houston <coughs> doesn't uh, try to play a game of chicken. But with Wentz, you've seen flashes. It's a lot like trading for uh, – throw a name out there – Baker Mayfield. You've seen flashes being good. This year he was good. His rookie year he was good. That middle year, though. But nobody's going to trade for Baker. Cleveland obviously has their guy there, or at least what they think is their guy. Um, so let's move on to another team that might not have their guy anymore. Everyone thought that Russell Wilson, when he signed that extension a couple years ago, that he was going to be there forever. He's—it's hard to tell, honestly, right nowadays. Um, you know, they—they've had some. Uh, some you know, Russell Wilson's come out publicly. Uh, Instead, that he needs O-line help, which anybody who's watched the Seattle Seahawks game in the last five years can tell you that for a fact. Um, that, that's definitely a majority, or that's a major need they uh, are looking for this offseason. It doesn't help that guard Mike Capati just retired. Uh, he was probably their best offensive lineman. Um, but that offensive line hasn't really been the same since uh, they traded Max Unger to the Saints Um and then at the same offseason, they fired uh, offensive line coach Tom Cable, who's turned that Raiders offensive line into a very underrated talent. They've gotten uh, Richie Incognito playing his best football season or best football of his career. Anybody who thought that Richie Incognito would ever be in the NFL starting in 2020 um, or 2021 is is uh, that's a topic for another day though. Uh, but pro football talk. Mike Florio is reporting uh, that he is called around and. All GMs have said the baseline, the minimal that they would think it would take to get Russell out of Seattle would be three, three first-rounders. And that kind of raises some a uh, question to me. That raises a question because Deshaun, we all thought, was going to be worth three firsts. Um, and I hate to say it. I know Russell Wilson wants to play till he's 45, but with how many hits he's taken as the quarterback – I don't think that forty-five is doable anymore. Um, he's a smaller guy. He's a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but he's thirty-two. If he's going to draw three firsts, you are going and that ridiculously large contract that he has. I think he's making forty or forty-two million. Quarterbacks just the quarterback market's just insane nowadays. Um, but if he's going to draw three firsts, Deshaun is easily worth four first-rounders, maybe even five, as well as a uh, a couple earlier early-round picks, like a second or a third. You know, because Deshaun's a lot younger. You, you know, you're getting him at the rate that Wilson's getting paid. But here's the difference: you got like he he's five or six years younger. Actually, I think he's 26. I think. He's and you're gonna, if they get the deal done before this season, you're getting him for a cheap deal this year because I think he's only set to make fit 14, 15 million this year. And you can build a win now team for this year around him. Um, and there's a couple teams that I think are in that mix. Um, but, um, I just wanted to touch on that subject. I, I know it's nothing that's it's nowhere near as hot as the Sean Watson rumors, but. It is something to consider Consider uh, now that we've had the public spat from Russell Wilson. Now that we've had the reports that the front office is not thrilled with him get uh, calling them out. Um, and I just felt like that was something we needed to talk about. Now to circle back to Philly. Just for a minute. Just for a minute. Um, it's rumored that they're going to be cutting Alshon Jeffrey at the start of the uh, free agency year. Uh, on March 17th, as well as either trading or cutting Jason Kelsey, their center by (sighs) them. I'll tell you what. Jason Kelsey would be the biggest steal of the offseason for some team, and I'm going to tell you why. He is easily the most underrated center in the league. Yes, I know he's getting older, but anybody who saw that Eagles O-line, he was it. Lane Johnson didn't show up this year. Jason Kelsey showed up. He was the one offensive lineman they had all year that could do anything, and he can. If you're looking, if you have your tackle set, if you're the New York Jets, you make a phone call, you offer something, because Jason Kelsey. All right, you got you got guy back then at the left tackle. You're proud. You could probably draft Penny Sewell in the draft this year. That means your tackles are set. Your offensive guards will be a little shaky, but if you have Jason Kelsey right there. He can be that veteran leadership towards them to help them with the guard, help with the guards, bring them along, or even help them block, especially if you're going to be going up against some of the top pass rushes in the NFL. Um, let's move on to the Eagles. One of the Eagles' division rivals, the Dallas Cowboys. Now tomorrow starts the salary cap, or not the salary cap, the franchise tag uh, period, where you can start uh tagging uh one player who's set to be a free agent hold on to him try to get a long-term extension done. Um uh, the Cowboys are gonna tag Dak um if they can't get a long-term extension in. However, they are optimistic um to have a long-term deal done by the tag deadline. Now this that kind of surprises me because it's it doesn't seem like there's been a whole lot of talking lately with the Dallas Cowboys and Dak. It just seems like it's been a stalemate um, after Dak's injury, um, and I think that that's honestly for the better for the Cowboys. Because don't get me wrong, Dak's a phenomenal quarterback, but you do have to know what uh, how serious is this. How how, how is it going to affect your on the field play? How's it going to change you as a player? Are you going to be more hesitant to run? Are you going to be more hesitant to? move or, or try to try to make a make a scramble to get a first down af- after a horrific injury like he suffered um, because that could be the difference between winning and losing a game and, and your fear might end up costing you a spot with the be- uh with the biggest market in the NFL right now which is the Dallas Cowboys you can't uh, nobody can contest that um they unfortunately as much as I hate them they do have the biggest fan base. Whether you like him or not, um, the Dallas Cowboys definitely uh, have the biggest fan base. And I think at the end of the day, when you look at Dak's market, I think that's why he's gotten so many commercials as he has, especially with Campbell's. Campbell's, he's he's like their uh, he's he's their poster boy now, um, and I think that. Being a part, I don't think he could get that same deal if he was say the Minnesota Viking quarterback. If he was the the Arizona Cardinals quarterback, I think the only markets you can truly do that is Dallas, New York, Los Angeles, maybe. Just maybe a Florida market, like maybe a Tampa or something like that, where there's a there's a lot of people. But I think it would be Los Angeles, Dallas, or the uh, or New York would be those markets that you can get those those offers because you're in a big market and everyone knows your face there in that area. That means that everyone's going to be drawn to you to advertise their product. And if Dak can't make the money from the Cowboys, the Cowboys can entice it by at least saying, hey, we can you know, draw in some more people to help you sponsor make up for that money. Um, I, if I'm Jerry Jones, that's something I'm definitely uh, throwing on the table to Dak. Um, I'm not 100% sure if that is legal by the NFL standards, but at, at this point, <laughs> I think uh, Jerry needs to, to throw the rule book out and try to get Dak Prescott signed to a long-term extension as quick as he can throw the rule book out the window, and just send it. Um, last piece of uh, news for this week. The NFL is optimistic that uh, they're going to have full-capacity stadiums uh, for the fall. With COVID-19 vaccines getting uh, more openly available um, as coming weeks have gone, uh, it's not out of the picture, um, but I would say optimistic is probably the best way to put it. I don't think it'll happen. I think you're going to see stadiums at 60 to 70% capacity, and you're going to see ticket prices go through the roof because people are going to be willing to pay any price to get out of the house. Everyone's been this in about a, three or four weeks. We're coming up on a year since we've all began this COVID pandemic. Uh, since so, since we've all really had to hunker down, um, and so I think anybody's going to start paying. Um, I think everyone's going to be looking to pay a lot more of a price to get out of the house, and that's going to draw up uh, ticket sales for sure. It's not even going to be close. Now, I'm kind of interested to see what the NFL's um, protocol will be for having the stadiums. I, I wonder if with the vaccine widespread, are you going to have to wear a mask? Or are you going to have to socially distance? They'll probably – at the end of the day, they'll probably still encourage it. I and It'll also probably come up to state regulations. I think if – like in a New York, like uh, – well, the, the Jets and the Giants won't have to deal with that because I think it's just a Buffalo. We'll have to deal with that because the Jets and the Giants are in New Jersey. However, Jersey and New York typically are hand-in-hand hand with stuff. Um, I think you're going to see – I think you're going to see the NFL lax – as long as you have a vaccination card and prove that you've done it. Uh, but yeah, it looks, like the, it looks like the NFL's, they're hoping that everything's going to be pretty much back to normal in 2021. Um, and I can say this for the rest of the football world, we're praying right alongside the NFL for once. So I want to touch on the AFCs first when it comes to the salary cap deal. Um, we're going to be breaking down today all 16 teams in the AFC. Um per report, it looks like the cap's gonna be around eighty well, 183 million dollars this year. It's gonna be a little down. I think last year was about 192. Um you're gonna see because the salary cap is gonna go lower. Uh some teams couldn't obviously have fans in the stands, so it kind of hurt them in the wallet. So this is the NFL's way to try to to bring that down a little bit. Um and and help some teams um not get outspent. But uh, let's take a look at the AFCs first. I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills here for a minute because the Buffalo Bills are a very interesting team for me. Um, they're right around the edge of the salary cap. They're about four million, four and a half million million above the projected cap. Actually, with the projected numbers, it looks like that was around the 185 mark that that was looking at. Do, do, do. The Buffalo Bills are actually going to be closer to like uh, $2.5 million over the cap. And they're going to have to make some moves this offseason to be able – because I think the main thing is their they're – line one of their linebackers, Matt Milano, the more, one of the more underrated linebackers, he meant so much to that defense uh, in 2020. I think that they are really going to have to get him re-signed to a long-term deal. Uh, but when it comes to the Bills, look, you need – I think you need an offensive tackle – you need more DB depth because I believe um, Josh Norman's not going to probably come back. I think he, I think honestly he'll be set to retire. Um, and also he wasn't great. He wasn't. He don't get me wrong. It wasn't horrible, but he wasn't great either. Um, Jordavius White can pick up a little bit of that slack if needed. Um, I mean I know he's he plays safety, um, but. Um, I think also an offensive tackle. I liked Cody Ford coming out of college, but I don't, uh, in, in Buffalo, he hasn't panned out like I thought. Um, and I believe in interior interior defensive linemen. So I, I think they need somebody to go right up alongside with Ed Oliver and uh, work that defensive line up. And because they've never really replaced somebody, they've never really replaced Kyle Williams at the defensive tackle position since he retired. Um, after their 2017 playoff appearance, 2016-2017. And that has been something that has been deeply lacking. Um, And uh, Ed Oliver, he's one man. He can't do two positions at once. It's tough. It's tough to do that when you're going up against a lot of these O-lines that are getting better and a lot of them are starting to double team him. He's not Aaron Donald. He he's not a TJ Watt. You can't have him double and triple covered and then still expect him to burst out and rush the quarterback. You know, that's just that's not going to happen. You got to give him some help so he can he can spruce up. A lot like Bradley Chubb in Denver because when Von Miller went down, everyone saw, okay, all we have to do is double team him. No pass rush. And I think that that really is uh, the problem for the Bills, is that they need somebody to help him out, so they don't aren't just attacking that key part of that defensive line. Let's move on to the Miami Dolphins here for a minute. All right, look, the Miami Dolphins—they have—it's the best way I can put this. They have a quarterback problem. I'm not a fan of Tua. He hasn't. All he gave me was one half of good football against Arizona. That's all I've seen out of him that I can take away and be happy about. He's gotten benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick twice. In one of those games, Ryan Fitzpatrick won the game while getting his freaking head ripped off against the Las Vegas Raiders. The Dolphins do appear to be in a decent position right now. They have their pro they're, Estimated to be around $26.9 million in having in free cap space. Um, and I think that the best way that the Miami Dolphins can attack that is get some interior offensive line pieces um, because that offensive line was definitely subpar, uh, no doubt. Uh, obviously, if, if you're not going to address the quarterback situation, and I think they're going to roll with two of them unless they can get Deshaun Watson, I think that's the one guy who they will move off of two or four is Deshaun. Um, the next piece, so I'm going to subtract the quarterback out of this whole deal. Um, you need, you need a tackle too. I mean, <laughs> you had you traded Larry Tunsil away and then you didn't, you proceeded to not address the problem. I mean, that, that's just insane. Um, so I think they, they need to get interior as well as exterior offensive line help. Pretty much that entire offensive line needs to go. Um and then I think they need to adjust the wide receiver situation. Now, Devontae Parker, don't get me wrong, it's great. Albert Wilson's okay. Mike Gaseki's an underrated tight end, in my opinion. But really, Albert Wilson's not a he's a wide receiver three. He's not, he's not a he's not the backup guy. He's not—he's not, not that wide receiver two. Devontae Parker can be that wide receiver one, but pretty much you take him and Gasecki away, you're looking at the Kansas City offense in the Super Bowl. Useless. So, I mean, t- to me, you just—you need o line help anywhere in the NFL, but especially Miami needs to address this. They had Juwan James, but let's—I mean, let's, let's be real. I'm not—I'm not even, not even going to try to act as a Bronco fan. I'm not even going to try to act like they lost out when they let him go. Um, wide receiver help if Allen Robbins gets open. I think he will definitely draw a lot of attention down there. But I don't—I don't know if he would be – See, he's been having to deal with subpar quarterbacks his entire career. Um, I don't know if Alan Robinson would be willing to take a chance on Tua. I think he wants somebody who's established in the NFL. He might. I don't know if he wants. I don't know. It's 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 a tough situation um, all around because Tua had a subpar year. They're not going to be able to draw as many offensive pieces in as they'd like because they're looking at it like. We're not going to be able to help him much because he can't help himself. Tua had multiple games this year where he didn't even throw 100 yards. 100 yards. Peyton Manning, on one foot in the playoffs, threw it over 100 yards three times. And Peyton Manning was very much past prime. He, like, fell off the cliff of all cliffs. He threw 55 touchdowns already touched us next year a little slight decline and then went off the freaking deep end and still looked better than two and now i get it it was a tough off season um for any rookie quarterback to step into but when you look at the success that a joe burrow had, and when you look at the success i think the main thing is you look at the success that justin herbert had when he was on the board right there i think that's where miami's gonna be a little impatient um I'm kind of surprised that they're not trying to make a quarterback deal um, right now, but we'll have to wait and see. You know, Chris uh, Chris Greer and Brian Flores, um, they might make it. They might make an aggressive move towards uh, Deshaun. We'll have to wait and see. Um, let's move on to Bill Belichick's New England Patriots. Now, Bill, anybody who's thought, yeah, the Patriots are down here, they obviously. Everyone say, oh, it was all it was old Tom Brady, all Tom Brady, all these years. No. No, Bill knew exactly what the fuck he was doing. And I'm going to tell you why he knew exactly what the fuck he was doing. Bill Belichick has $69 million in projected cap space. He has the potential to do anything he fucking wants. Now, they do have... Some off, uh, some pieces leaving this offseason. I believe the McCurdy, or one of the McCurdy's, are a free agent. I believe Sonny Michelle's a free agent, um, but there, uh, Joe Flaherty is also another major one. Bill Belichick is the, he, I believe he deserves some patience because he, he did have a lot of guys opt out. Not a whole lot of people remember that part. He had. I think the Patriots had like nine or 10 guys opt out uh, before the season started. They didn't all make a difference on offense because, well, let's be real. The offensive pieces couldn't get any worse in New England. I mean, they were all wide receiver three in practice squad guys, if I'm going to be completely honest. I think the best one out of anybody over there was Demir Bird. He kill Harry's a bust. It's not even close. He's a scrub. He can't play in the NFL. Um, When you play for Arizona State and you have such an easy schedule, I guess it's easy to hide that fact that you're a complete and utter disaster. But Bill Belichick, I believe he's made enough, he's had enough hits as a GM to be worth making a miss or two and not freaking out. Just because Tom Brady went to the luckiest deal ever, where he he literally had Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, that beautiful O line with Tristan Worf's on the freaking rookie deal. You brought in your buddy Rob Gronkowski who everyone thought was playing around with WWE, was done playing football, was going to open a weed store, try to be in, invest in CBD. You brought him out of retirement. You had Shaq Barrett who's easily – I've been saying this since he was in Denver – was a very underrated pass rusher. And I'm still irritated to this day that Denver didn't sign him to a deal because then we, uh, we could have had – we could have possibly even avoided having to draft Bradley Chubb at that point. I could have got another position, but the Patriots—they have the third most salary cap in the league at six nine million. It's it's a good day to be a Pats fan. Yes, it was a rough seven to nine season. You're not going to have Cam Newton starting the quarterback position, but I think I think at the end of the day, uh, that. Bill Belichick knows what he's doing, and he's going to be able to get that team turned around for 2021. Let's move on to the last team in the AFC East, the most interesting team, the New York Football Jets. Remember I said New York Jets, not Giants. Everybody can calm down. I know everyone's still a a little irritated from the Adam Gase era. I know. But. They have the second most salary cap space in the NFL. It's $76 million right now projected. When you look at it, there's a lot of turnover this year. This is, I think, one of the most intriguing years to be a Jets fan because there's so many ways this team can go. I personally would keep Sam Darnold signed to a cheap extension now, like a two- or three-year deal, like a – $15 $15 million or $45 million deal, uh, send them to something cheap, something cheap for the next couple of years. And then, and, and probably, f- I'd front load the money, at least guaranteed front load. Uh, so it's like a one year guarantee mark. And then take the swing. Start spending everywhere. You need almost everything Sign Marcus May to a long-term extension. Don't let any other free or don't let any of your other pending free agents come back. None of them are worth starting in the league, anyways. Um, maybe I think Henry Anderson's set to be a free agent. You might want to sign him, but that would be it. Um, and then you just need to start signing free agents left and right. Allen Robinson, like I said, I've been, I've been hagging on it. He's the best wide receiver on the free agent market. It's not even close. Maybe Antonio Brown, but I think Antonio's going to go back to Tampa to uh, keep getting uh, Super Bowls with Tom. I think the Jets have the potential to surprise a lot of teams next year. Not a whole lot of people are considering the Jets as a playoff team next year, but if Joe Douglas is as good as anybody that I've talked to thinks he is, I think the Jets have a potential to be one of the best teams in the NFL next year, and I'm not joking. They have the cap space. They have the draft stack. They have the quarterback, I think, set. I think if Joe Douglas fits the team around him this year, and um, I think they have the potential to do some nasty things. Now, with that said, I, I, I think the best thing they could do is get a solid corner, but I think uh, they could get Richard Sherman – on a one- or two-year deal to come over from Robert Sala's system in San Fran, and that can work. Edges or tackle, that could work with Penny, Penny Sewell um, getting drafted, or you sign a tackle, move a couple spots back in the draft, get a whole host of picks, um, and just move on from that point. There's a couple routes. Like I said, there's so many um, interesting routes to see the New York Jets go. Um, if they had the number one pick, it wouldn't even be a talk, though, obviously. They'd be trading Sam Darnold and they'd be getting Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but the Jets are definitely ha- have one of the more intriguing offseasons ahead of a team in the NFL. So when you look at the dynamic of the AFC You absolutely have to see that the AFC North has the best division in football, and that's going to make life a little hectic this offseason. I think that could flip very quickly. Um, When you take a look at this dynamic, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, who ended up winning the division, um, started at eleven and zero, finished one and four, were one and done in the playoffs by their same foes, who they lost two weeks before the Cleveland Browns. Um, and they had so many things going against them. The Browns did in that second game. Um, simply, uh, the main the main thing that the Pittsburgh Steelers need to do is they need to decide what they're doing at quarterback, because Big Ben is a twenty four million dollar cap hit either way. Right now, the Steelers are projected to be about negative, or they're going to be about six to seven million dollars over the cap number um, of. 183 um and that's gonna make it life a little hectic on them because they need to make a decision Big Ben if he sticks around he goes from being 24 million in cap hit to a 39 or 40 million dollar cap hit and you can't compete Big Ben did not Big Ben showed last year it's over it's over he's done. Juju's a free agent. That's over. Um, You know, you're going to have – you have so many decisions coming up. In my opinion, it's either Big Ben takes a pay cut and literally restructures everything to where he's maybe a $10 million quarterback. And I'm not kidding. And I know that seems like a big deal, um, but let's look at it. He needs to – if Big Ben wants to win another Super Bowl, he has to use the Tom Brady method that I used in New England for all those years. You have to see what's around you. See the situation. Let's talk with Kevin Colbert. Talk with Mike Tomlin whenever Mike Tomlin gets back from having COVID. And you need to discuss what your plans are for the season. Like, if you guys aren't planning on being competitive, if you're planning on just rebuilding this year or reloading this year and then attacking again in 2022, that's great. Cut, Ben. Cut, Ben. Don't. Don't. Just, just you—it's not worth bringing him back and being that big a cap hit. You cut Ben, let him go to some other team for a win now deal. Probably the Washington Football Team would be the only one I can think of that could make everything work. Um, but if you, if you are willing to, are you if you're gonna take the shot and go for the playoffs this year? Then, then I'd say make Ben restructure it down to a very low number, like a ten to fifteen million dollar number in cap. Um, push everything off for rework the deal out, ex, you know, so, so kick the can down the road another year or two. And then once Big Ben retires, we'll deal, you know, deal with the cap hit. Then um, it all comes down to perspective for the Steelers. um we out of the Cleveland Browns, who are a very intriguing team this offseason. Now. They are coming up on having to sign a lot of players to a lot of extensions. That being said, they they got about twenty one and a half million dollars to work with this offseason. It's 14th in the league. If I and the cap, if I'm the Browns, I'm approaching Baker and saying, look, we have all these pieces around you. How bad do you want to keep having them, because you're gonna have to restructure and rework your contract for us in order, or not, I wouldn't say restructure, my bad. You need to sign a team friendly deal. I said it just now with Pittsburgh. You're gonna have, if you want the longevity, you're gonna have to sign a long term or a, a team friendly long term extension, because otherwise you're not gonna have Odell Beckham next year every year, and they'll they might be trading him this offseason. You're not going to have a Jarvis Landry. You're not going to have that great O-line that you have when they're healthy. You're not going to have Miles. Well, they got Miles Garrett's deal worked out. You're not going to have the cornerbacks uh, improved um, back there because the cornerbacks and the cornerback situation in Cleveland's the worst in the league. And I'm not joking. They're the worst, the absolute worst in the league. Um, I also think the, the Browns, the whole secondary, really needs uh help. Um they could use some linebacker help for sure. Um Andrew Sendejo, uh at, at, back to the safety position for a minute. Andrew did uh, Sandejo, He hasn't he's easy. He, he he's been pretty rough back there. Um but so the secondary entirely needs help. The defensive line, Larry uh, Onjinnobi, could use some help up there, um, for sure. Um, it's a wait and see game there, but I, I'd also approach Baker and start talking like, "Hey, we need to have a team friendly uh, contract extension worked out here relatively soon, um, if you want to keep everything going afloat." There to the Baltimore Ravens. See, this one's interesting because I normally I would say <laughs> I would say wide receiver. Because the, wide, the the passing game in Baltimore is just horrendous. However, this is what Greg Roman and John Harbaugh wanted. They wanted a running system that leaned heavily on Lamar Jackson's legs and not his arm. They asked for this. And that's why I don't feel as bad as I probably would for any other team. But they got Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown was a first. He plays like a fourth. Let's just let's just call a Spade a spade. He's not good. He's not been good in Baltimore, but then again, I once again I, I refer to this to the system. Uh he's speedy. That's about it. He's uh he caught about sixty-three percent of the passes thrown his way. Um but he only has had two contested catches all year, according to Pro Football Focus. You know, it's just I think Marquise Brown could settle into a wide receiver two deal or a deal like where Juju had, where if you have somebody else over there that could create some separate or allow them to not double him. And I think that that would help out the Baltimore Ravens in the long run. Now they also need to start worrying about a long-term extension for uh, Lamar Jackson. They have about 29 million or 27 million right now in cap space. Um, Lamar is not going to want to take 27. He's going to want to make his money now because we all know that long-term plans do not involve running quarterbacks. Look at Steve Young. I think his tenure with the Niners was about nine years, and he had a year or two down in uh, Tampa, so about 11 years. It's it's above average uh, for uh, running quarterbacks. However, he also, if you remember, in Tampa didn't run as much. It just it took until probably ninety-four, ninety-five. That's when Steve Young started running the ball or running a lot more. Because they saw all started taking away his his players downfield. So he, you know, he had to generate offense somehow. Um, so he sold out and he he made it work. Um so Lamar's not gonna take a for team friendly deal. He's not like Tom Brady, he's not a bit Ben. He doesn't have something to lean back on. He doesn't have great talent around him. And I think he's just going to – not at the end of the day, he, he, they're going to have to work at a deal somewhere. Probably it's also going to include that offensive tackle, Orlando Brown left tackle, who wants out. Um, or right tackle, I should say. And uh, that will create some cap space. It's good. It's going to be tough, though. It's going to be interesting to see, that's for sure. Um, And then let's circle around to the last team in the uh, AFC North, which is the Cincinnati Bengals. Personally, I think this this team reminds me a lot of the early part of Marvin Lewis's tenure, and it's so irritating. If I'm a Bengals fan, I mean, outside of Joe Burrow, why do I even bother? I want to – Joe Burrow, first off, his injury is concerning because it was a very, very gruesome injury. However, the Cincinnati Bengals, they didn't do good in contracts. You know, typically Mike Brown is uh, pretty cheap. I mean, yes, they're fifth in the league. They have $45 million in cap space, but for how many holes they need to fill, they they really, they really need to to hit these this offseason, and just make sure they hit their marks. Um, They need everything on the offensive line, except maybe a center. I think Billy Price has that set up. Um, They can solve that with drafting Panay Sewell at three or four. I think three. Um, That's if the Jets don't. Take him, at, take him at second and instead trade that away or even draft a quarterback. But he would definitely help um, put him in a lot. He'd be a plug-and-play player, and he'd probably be Joe Burrow's best friend. Um, and then you need quarterbacks. The, 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 that defense, man. Lou. Arma, uh, the fact that Lou Adoramo still has a job as a defensive coordinator is mind-boggling, to say the least, because I don't think I've – I didn't think a defense led by Marvin Lewis could regress that quickly. It regressed horribly. And Marvin Lewis' teams were down there in the section that Lou Anoramos were. But they just look, the, the players just look defeated every play. They don't look, they don't go out there with that confidence in there. They don't believe in the system they're going in there. You could see it through, you could just see it through their body language during the game. They're, they don't want to be there. And I think that. That's going to be a big problem come this offseason. And the fact that they retained him, they retained Zach Taylor, they retained every coordinator in Cincinnati. That just mind boggles me, that mind boggles any Cincinnati Bengals fan, that mind boggles anybody with common sense who sat down and watched a football game that the Cincinnati Bengals were were in this year. It's just frustrating, and you will look at it. You look at the owner. A lot of these teams in the league, you can see how they're gonna play if you look at their owner. If their owner is arrogant, I mean, all our owners are arrogant to an extent. But if you were just, if you're obviously there to just barely or to just make money, and you're not really caring about putting. A, a serious team on the field, a lot like what Robert Ursay did with the Colts back in the 70s and 80s, then what's the point? What's the point? And, and your teams aren't going to do well. And I, you can make that point, and you can also make the point that when you get overly involved, like we see with Dan Snyder in Washington, your team can be just as screwed up. So I think there's a, there's a fine line that a lot of owners have to find. And, and Mike Brown's just that kind of guy who just doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about the Bengals. All he cares about at the end of the day is how much they make him money. He, 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 it could be anything. He, he, he could be selling car products. As long as they bring him in money, he doesn't care how, how they appeal um, to their buyers, in which case his buyers are fans looking to buy tickets this offseason. And I think... It's not going to look that way next year when everyone, like I said, is trying to get out and get into the stadiums. They're going to be spending tons of money, and that's going to generate a lot of revenue for the Bengals. Um, but Mike Brown won't care. But And you'll notice that in about two or three years, hit, start hitting him in the wallet when everybody goes back to completely normal where they're not overspending on crap. And he'll... Start seeing that, hey, you know, maybe we should start spending a little bit of money smarter. Maybe have a better coaching staff. It just it, it, the whole Bengals organization just disgusts me outside of Joe Burrow and T. Higgins. I felt bad. I, I feel bad for AJ Green because he's had to have his career wasted there. I Feel bad for <laughs> Dalton because he wasted his career for the most part there. I feel bad for Marvin Lewis who wasted his career there. I just, hate, I just feel bad for anybody who has had to be associated with the Cincinnati Bengals, including their fans. Let's move on now to the Tennessee Titans in the A.C. South. Um, <coughs> they won the division. They moved on. They went to the divisional round and got – or actually, my bad. They went to the wild card round, had a home game against Tennessee – or against Baltimore. cheese and uh, anybody who really went into that game, I, I personally went into that game thinking Derek Henry was going to be huge. Um, and then he had like 50 yards maybe. Uh, the guy who had 2,000 rushing yards, you know, you shut him down. And then they completely – it just showed that, yes, I know Ryan Tannehill's great. They went to that game with so much confidence that the run was going to work that when the, when the run didn't work, they had nothing else. It was a simple it – was it was so easy to see. Um and I think that you're gonna have to see Tennessee adapt this off the mainly on the defensive side because I think that the defense is but the defense was horrible this year and I think that had something to do with the fact that Mike Vrabel, um DDPs retired as defensive coordinator again and then came out of retirement again for another team um and he took a year off one two um Atlanta to be their defensive coordinator with uh, Arthur Smith. Now, the defense needs to get a lot better. Uh, they lost to Davian Clowney for a lot of the season. He's a free agent again. Uh, if they can't sign him back, because I believe where's their number, the Tennessee Titans are very close to that line. They're not. they they're they're approximately one and three quarter million in ca- uh, salary cap space. So they're not really in a position to be signing Davian Clowney to a long term extension. They also need cornerback help, and, and they I think they need an offensive tackle to go alongside Taylor or to play opposite side of Taylor, uh, Taylor Luan. Um, and that's going to come in this offseason, and I think you're going to have to see the Tennessee Titans make some bold moves. Um, it's going to start with probably not re-signing Corey Davis. He'll probably end up becoming a free agent. A.J. Brown will slide into the wide receiver one spot like he hasn't already. Um, you're going to see them – I think they might they might be aggressive enough to move up in the draft. Um, but if they do, it's going to be for – I think it could be Patrick Sutain personally. Um, you know, Patrick Surtain out of Alabama, is easily the best cornerback in, 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 uh, in the draft. the draft. close. Um, but they're going to have to make an aggressive move this offseason from the defensive side of the ball. Interested to see what exactly it will be. Um when you really sit down and you look at it, I think what they had in Jadavian Clowney is gonna be the best, but they're gonna to have to make a lot of restructuring deals in order to see that not, or to see him come back, I should say, uh, because I think Shaq Barrett's gonna get resigned. Uh, let's see. I think Leonard Williams of the Giants will probably get franchise tagged. Levante David will probably sign back with the Bucks and try to chase Super Bowls again. Melvin Ingram, I mean, that might be their best option, honestly, with an edge rusher, but he's not going to be a team-friendly guy either. You probably can get him cheaper than than a Jadavian Clowney. However, you're not going to be able to get him as a a guy who's going to sign for a very low deal. You're going to get him probably at about $12 million a year, I think. Um, but I think the, the defensive side of the ball is where they, the, the Titans need to hit their marks. Um and I, I with Mike Vrabel in charge, that defense definitely disappointed me. Uh Don't get me wrong, I I think that once again, I think Vrabel tried to do too much in a terrible year for trying to do too much. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, I. I'm definitely uh, interested to see what, what I, I believe they're going to get bold, but I just don't know what part of their defense they're going to get bold about. It could be a pass rusher. It could be a member of the secondary. Now on to the Indianapolis Colts who before if I taped this a week ago, I'd be over here touting how great they, uh, how great a move they made or, or how their cap space is great. Now that Carson wants to come into town, they're down around the salary cap area. But, um, they're gonna be about I think Carson Wentz hits about forty-two million this year. Or 32, my bad. 32. My bad. Uh, so they're probably gonna have about 1215 in salary cap. Um and I think the main thing they need to do is they need to re sign T.Y. Hilton this offseason. Um I mean they addressed the quarterback situation, but I think. You got that, and then I th- they gotta get a pass rusher in there. They gotta get something. Because Darius Leonard's good, but he can't do everything. He can tackle, but he can't pass rush great. Um, thing is with the Colts, they're just so far back that I don't know if they're gonna get any great ones in the draft. They might be the Melvin Ingram sweepstakes as well. Um but I I really think if Carson Wentz generates like I think he can with Frank Reich, and that's a very, very big if. I need to emphasize that. If it's if it works, it's great. If it doesn't, it's horrible, obviously. Um, this one's going to make or break Chris Ballard this offseason. He's, he's already made a bold move. I'm willing to see if he's going to step out. For for a guy who's been pretty conservative with his picks, I'm, I'm curious to see if he's going to step out side of the box twice in the same year. On to the Houston Texans, and I want to just get this one over with because I just, I, I've, I'm so sick and tired of hearing about the Houston Texans and this whole thing. First off, they're going to need a new quarterback. They're not going to get the Sean, they're not going to win this game of chicken with the Sean Watson. That's just, let's just face facts. They're not going to. They can have him sit out for an offseason. They can definitely do that. However, with every day that he's not traded, they're losing a slight amount of value in him because, like I said, he's only going to be 15 against the cap this year. And not a lot of people are looking at the fact that he's only going to be $15 million against the cap. If you're going to have a one-year boom, it's going to be this year with Deshaun Watson where you can bring in another piece or two to help. The big piece or two, I should say. Uh, but they pretty much need everything. They need everything. Um, cornerback, edge defender, safeties, everything on defense, they, they were horrible with. Romeo Cornell um, obviously was trying to – he was using his uh, – nineteen nineties football or uh, NFL playbooks rather than a twenty twenty one NFL playbook and it showed. It showed in the last two or three years since Mike Vrabel went and became the head coach of the t- Titans, but I digress. Uh they have no DeAndre Hopkins anymore. They have an aging David Johnson in the backfield. They're not gonna have Deshaun Watson. All they got is Larry Tunzel. That's the only player probably that I I can see as them keeping <sighs> With the Texans, I think the Texans need to just, the fans need to get their heads wrapped around a three- to four-year long-term rebuild. But it's going to add a year or two because I think that the rebuild won't begin to work until Jack Easterby's gone. It's my personal opinion. Jack Easterby and Howie Roseman are, in my opinion, two people that I don't understand. They, they have to be having something on Cal McNair and uh, Howie Roseman's situation. He's got to have something on Jeffrey Lurie. There's no reason they should have jobs in the NFL, at least with those franchises. Maybe have Easter be go back to New England where he was actually decent at his job, Nick Casario. But I feel bad for Nick Casario because I feel like if he had known the situation was as bad as it is, he wouldn't have taken that job. He would have stuck around and hung out with Bill Belichick and helped him this offseason. All right, let's round out this uh, the AFC South with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, they are another intriguing team to me. I mean, they're going to get Trevor Lawrence first overall. I, they're going to get the biggest haul in NFL history for them. Uh They have the most cap space. I believe they're at $83 million. Yep, uh, 70, $79.8 million roughly. roughly. Um, so for the Jags, they need quarterback, obviously. They'll get that for relatively cheap, uh, considering what the market value is now. They'll probably have... Trevor Lawrence around 15, 16 million a year for the next four years. Um, but they pretty much need everything. I think Henderson, or DJ Henderson, the DB that they drafted out of Florida, he's probably the piece I'd keep on defense. Most of the defense I get rid of. I'd keep Gardner Minshew as a backup um, for sure. You don't want to let him walk, or if you're going to trade him, you're going to get a probably. You're you're not gonna get much for Gardner Minshew just because he had a bad year. But if you traded him last offseason, you're probably gonna get a fourth or fifth easily for him. Um I think you'll maybe get a next year sixth um for him now. And they need another cornerback to help out DJ Henderson on the on the defensive side, but they also need to replace Yannick and Gakwe and they need to help Josh Allen on the defense as well. Um, with um, with the pass rusher um, because Josh Allen's he's been a little underwhelming there, but I, I feel like that was more of a Todd Wash defensive system issue and just dysfunction there. Um, but the the thing is with the Jags that there's so much unknown about them. Um, this is the first time since Nick Saban that I can really remember – A a big-time name college guy. Don't get me wrong. Matt Rule's a good guy. This is the first guy who's been a big-time name in college coming into the NFL since Nick Saban. Nick Saban didn't work out too well. But then we look at Jimmy Johnson, one of the most successful college coaches uh, ever, and he comes in and he just knocks it out of the park with the Cowboys. Um, so it's definitely going to be an interesting offseason. I'm, I'm a little concerned about Trent Baalke being the GM, though. I, I can't lie. He he, and he just left too much of a bad taste in my mouth from San Fran deal with him and Harbaugh that it's just it's tough for me to want to sign on for that again as a fan of football because he had that – I think it was – they worked together so well for two years and then just hated each other the next three and it was just so obvious to see. I think it mainly came down to Kaepernick versus Alex Smith because that's when the real uh, dysfunction appeared. Um, I feel like Balky wanted to roll with Alex Smith. That was his guy, but then he had Kaepernick come in. Let's round out the uh, the AFC portion of uh, the salary cap and uh, off-season needs for every team with the AFC West. Let's start with the... Uh, team that went to the Super Bowl to represent the AFC for the second straight year and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, look, anybody who saw that game knows that the Chiefs need two things. Offensive tackles, because they started Mike freaking Remmers, and anybody who's ever had Mike Remmers on the team, the Panthers, the Vikings, the Giants fans will all get behind this. He has no business being a starting tackle in the league. With that said, Patrick Mahomes' deal fifty million million a year for the next 10 years really puts the Chiefs in a tough spot to help him. Um, now, I feel like they need an edge guy because I felt like, okay, in the Super Bowl I walked into it I'm like, Chris Jones – could probably work the middle and I feel like if he draws enough heat up front it'll open up a route or two for Frank Clark and Frank Clark was nowhere to be found. He was terrible. He is not the Frank Clark that everyone saw a couple years ago. It, 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 no, it's just it's not there anymore. Um I feel like he's definitely somebody to watch get cut by the, the Chiefs um or traded. Um, probably traded to the Texans cuz the Texans probably think he's still in his prime and they could probably make him work. Um, it's just mind boggling to me, um, how many holes are on this team considering they're one of the best teams in football. Um, and I feel like linebackers, another spot where they're hurting. They didn't really, they don't, their defense you look at and they have a lot of holes. I mean, you got Breeland in the corner, you got Tyran up, uh, Upfield. But really, I mean, outside of that, and Chris Jones. Outside of that, what do they have? What do they have? They have nothing. They have a bunch of backup guys. And Bagnola, to his credit, has made it work this year. um, To an extent, I should say. But if they want to have that defense take it to the next level to where they can compete, with literally anybody, including Tom Brady's Buccaneers, they need a pass rusher. Now, I said it, I said it like a minute or two ago. Mahomes' contract takes up over a quarter of the gap space for next year. That ain't gonna fly. Right now, the Kansas City Chiefs. In all teams in football, they are $21.4 million dollars in cap. Okay. It's just a horrible situation for the Chiefs cap-wise. Um, They're going to have to make some pretty tough decisions coming up here. And I think Frank Clark's going to fall on that list. Um, I think they're going to have to restructure Tyron Matthews' contract um, if he wants to remain on that team. They're going to have to make some other moves, like obviously get rid of Mike Remmers, um, or pray to God he just just retires finally, just puts everybody out of their misery. Um, but the Chiefs, surprisingly, they're one of the best teams in football, and they have they're about as uh, and the best way I can compare them is the Swiss Chiefs because they got five or six massive holes that I'm noticing Let's move on to the only team in the regular season when Mahomes started that beat them in the Kansas City or in the Las Vegas Raiders. They need, you know, on paper you can look at it and say, you know, the Khalil Mack trade wasn't a terribly big bust, but they still need an uh, uh, an edge uh, pass rusher. Max Crosby's okay. I mean, he had a down year compared to his first year. Uh, but he ain't no Khalil Mack. Khalil and Farrell was a whiff. Um, but they need somebody who can create some disruption on the defensive side. And if Denver releases Von Miller, which would stun anybody who's a Bronco fan, but we could understand it if he doesn't want to take the cap hit or the the restructuring, Watch watch the Raiders to sign him, you know. So I mean that's just that's just a small area, but I I, I it's it seems so small, but yet it's such a big, um, big area because I feel like that defense mainly runs through a pass rusher in the Raiders deal uh, because their safety can't their safety deal is not any good either. Um, their safeties are probably one of the worst sets in the league. Um. If you take a look, I believe on average their PFF grades to give away to a quarterback when they're throwing, uh, safety's defending. I think it's like a hundred. I think it's hundred and four. I think well, somewhere around there. it's it's over a hundred. It, it's insane. Um, but basically, I wouldn't toy much with the offensive side of the ball. I feel like that's for the most part set. I mean, you just got to get consistency out of them. Um, But to me, it's just that defense needs to work. I'm curious to see how Gus Bradley, the new defensive coordinator, is going to pan out there. Uh, But I I think it could work. I think it could flow. Now let's move on to Gus Bradley's old team that he was calling defensive plays for last year in the Los Angeles Chargers. They have Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Derwin James, they have all these great pieces on the defense. The one area you don't really look at and say they have a great defensive piece is the defensive line, the tackle. Um and I feel like you know that could get masked. Um with new head coach Brandon Staley having such a well rounded mind in the game. Um when you take a look at it. you know he he's he used to play quarterback um, and then he's worked his way up after being an offensive guy for so long he became a defensive guy he's had great successes of uh, defensive mind in football that being said i don't know i mean it just to me it's it's hard for me to wrap my wrap, my mind around how such a good defensive guy our team could be so uh, have such a massive hole up front because Jerry Tillery, he's he's good, but he's he's probably just average. Honestly, he's getting paid like he's above average, if I remember right. Um, but right now, also the Chargers, to me, they could probably you know they could afford to move on. I mean, they have thirty-four million in cap space. Um, to me it's just they got uh Keelan Al Keenan Allen as a receiver. They got the receivers taken care of over there I think in in the uh uh off, offensive part of the, the the field. Hunter Henry, uh they got to re-sign him. Um uh, otherwise they're looking for another tight end. And then offensive line as well, you know. Uh, it's just it's it's not that good. I mean, they got Russell Coom but for a little while, but that was about it. But to me, the Chargers, I'll tell you what, the fact, it's got to be the most frustrating thing in the world to be a Chargers fan simply for the fact that you have such a talented team and you almost never get luck to go your way. I mean, this is the same team that I hate to bring it up because, I, well, as a Bronco fan, I don't, but Chargers fans probably hate hearing this stat in 2010, you had the number one offense, the number one defense, and still found a way to miss the playoffs. Let me repeat that again because it's probably probably sounds uh, like a joke. You had the number one offense and the number one defense and still missed the playoffs. Still. The fact that North Terminator was still held on after that, mind-boggling. Now let's move on to the final um, team in the AFC, the Denver Broncos. They're intriguing to say the least. They have a decent amount of cap space. I think about 37 million in cap space. Um, you look at the quarterback situation, obviously. Everyone's gonna say you yeah, had Drew Lock, Drew Lock, Drew Lock. You gotta replace him. The only quarterback Denver's gonna move off of Drew Lock for is Deshaun Watson. Let's just let's just face facts. Let's just the truth. George Payton's a very patient guy. He's not gonna go over the top. He's not going to draft, you know, some wild quarterback guy out there. I think the only other quarterback that really Denver could have moved on from Lockford is Matthew Stafford. That was it. Um, Von Miller, the pass rusher deal. Um, You know, I I personally as a Bronco fan would hate to see him go, um, but I can understand Denver's position. Uh, First off, he's getting into uh, criminal investigation right now. Uh, I'm I'm confident that – it just appears to me to be just uh, a bad breakup and um, just some ugliness out of that. Uh, but also, he's not what he once was. He 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 he, he was a apparently apparently supposed to be in the best shape of his career, and then missed the season with an injury. If you're in the best shape of your career, there's not a whole lot that's going to stop you from playing. He got injured in training camp. Which was modified to be minimal, and to me, it just it seems like he's going to have to take a pay cut. It's a, like Big Ben in Pittsburgh. He's going to have to take a pay cut to stick around. Um, otherwise, they're going to bring Alexander Johnson up to play that position in pass rush. That's it. At, or or have Malik Reed play because Malik Reed uh, had a. He had a pretty good season for me in a pass rusher. I believe he had seven or eight sacks over the course of the season. Uh, and considering that he was pretty much sharing that role, that was that was pretty impressive. Uh, but I feel like Denver also needs some depth at cornerback They just released A.J. Bouye last week. Uh, I th- I'm a firm believer in Denver either taking Patrick Sertain at nine or if he's there, Micah Parsons. At of uh, Penn State, who I think has the potential to be Luke Kuechly 2.0. Actually, everyone will be saying in about 10 years they won't be mentioning Luke Kuechly. I think they'll be mentioning Micah Parsons when they're comparing somebody to a linebacker. My personal opinion, that kid can do it, anything. He's not he, – he can do anything if you really have him dedicated to it. He can pass rush. But he seems to play coverage more, and he he's a lot – he can do a lot in coverage. He, he, he runs like a safety. Um, he, he tackles like a defensive end, just throws you to the ground. He's a very physical, um, fast, um, smart, talented, uh, linebacker for sure. In my opinion, honestly, second best player in the draft overall to Trevor Lawrence. Um, It's not even close. So Denver's definitely going to have an interesting offseason this year. Um, I feel like that offensive line outside of Jawan James is safe. I feel like Jawan James – I feel like John Owens should be shot. uh, I wouldn't say shot. I should should say. I feel like he should get slapped upside his head for the Jawan James deal, though. He absolutely deserves a slap. I mean, what are you thinking? I mean, this guy was average in Miami. You gave him – you gave him – Let me just let me just take a second here. I just need to breathe. Just need to breathe. Okay. You gave him Joe Thomas style money. Like he was playing like Joe Thomas. And he was playing about a touch or two above Mike Rummers. That's the best way I'm going to say it. Because I, anytime I hear Juwan James and and the Bronco deal, it just it bothers me as a fan because that's, it's just been, that's just been the case of John Elway. I mean, he he whiffs a lot more than he, he wins. I mean, the last couple of years, for the most part, he's, he's hit on. I mean, Drew Locke's questionable, but um, it seems like Cortland Sutton's a massive home run. Uh, it seems like Noah Fant was a home run. It seems like Garrett Bowles, I didn't think a year or two ago that he was a home run, but it looks like he's he's changed for the better. I mean, they paid him like he is, and he had a great year. I don't think he gave up a sack. If he did, it was only a sack or two. Um, uh, But it's definitely going to be an intriguing offseason for uh, the Denver Broncos. Uh, I can't wait to see. So that's going to do it uh, for this episode of uh, the FIR Podcast. Uh, feel free to tune in uh, next week as we're going to break down all the NFC uh, teams, caps, uh, cap deals, and uh, potential uh, holes to fill in the offseason. Um, looking forward to that. I think uh, it's going to get a little interesting. You're going to look at a lot of the teams that are um, – you're going to see a team like the Cowboys, and the, the Dak Prescott deal – uh, what the hell is going on in Philadelphia with the uh, the Eagles? Um, some interesting moves potentially coming in uh, Green Bay. Um, the potential, uh, the, we'll break down and take a look at the uh, kneecap situation going on in Detroit. Uh, what's going to go on with the Saints? Because they look to be about $90 million in a negative for cap space next year. Uh, the Super Bowl champion, the Tampa Bay Bucs. How do they shape up in uh, the salary cap situation, um, as well as exactly what's going to happen with the with the Rams, the Seahawks, if they move off of Russell Wilson, and even uh, even the Cardinals. You know, uh, what's the, what's everything going to look like uh, situationally wise there, um, and how are they going to be able to help uh, bring more uh, more talent to that defense? Um, it's all going to be here next week uh, on the FIR podcast. Until then. We'll see you.